This week on Empowering Midlife Wellness, I'm exploring the pros and cons of hormone replacement after we've had a diagnosis of breast cancer, and what options do we have, if any? Hi, and welcome to this week's episode. Just as a spoiler alert, today I'm going to be talking about some things that might feel a little triggering and definitely are a little bit controversial. So if that's not in your arena of things you like to listen to, I invite you to turn this off right now because I'm gonna be talking about options for hormone replacement after patients have been diagnosed with breast cancer, which is definitely controversial to say the least and is certainly outside the realm of what would be considered standard medical advice. The point of me doing this is just to understand that each of us is different. And I personally recognize your autonomy as a woman, a patient who can make her own decisions, and a human being who has a right to decide what's best for her above any randomized control study that's out there. That is my opinion. And if you don't agree with me, please just feel free not to listen to this and that will be just fine. So what I want to talk to you about is options for breast cancer patients when we're postmenopausal for hormone replacement so that we don't have to live the rest of our lives in misery. Now, I'm not making light of breast cancer in any way, shape, or form. Nobody wants breast cancer. We are conditioned throughout our lives in this country to be terrified of breast cancer. And I'm not saying at all that it's not reasonable to have a little bit of fear of cancer and to do the appropriate things that we need to do in order to catch it early. For example, annual mammography after age 50, keeping our body fat down, keeping an eye on our genetics if we have family history of breast cancer, following your doctor's advice in other ways. Yes, we want to do all of those things because throughout our lifetime in this country, one in eight of us will develop breast cancer. So again, not to make light of it in any way, but I do want to add in that more than 95% of the time, if breast cancer is caught in stage one, it's completely curable and does not result in death. So I think certainly in my case, I've been conditioned to think of cancer equaling death. We don't want cancer. I personally had two melanomas. It was very scary. Melanoma is unarguably much more deadly than breast cancer. Thank God mine were caught early. And I live in a constant state of knowing that they will probably come back. But I don't let it affect my life. I see the dermatologist regularly. I wear my sunscreen. I do what I can do to limit my risk going forward, but I don't let it affect my life. And I am not perfect. Sometimes I get terrified about getting another melanoma and I have to work with my thoughts in order to understand that the risk that I'm gonna die from melanoma is actually very, very low if I follow the instructions that my dermatologist has given me, which I generally do. Similarly, breast cancer. We want to have a reasonable fear of it such that we follow the protocols for screening, but not to let it control our lives. Now, if you have had breast cancer and you're currently a breast cancer patient, as we most know, 
Most breast cancers have hormone receptors that are receptive to both estrogen and progesterone. That's the most common type of breast cancer that we're diagnosed with. Some breast cancers don't have those receptors, but I'm going to be talking to you about the ones that do because those are the ones that fall into a lot of controversy regarding hormone replacement. So let's just say you're a postmenopausal woman, you've gone for your mammogram, you've gone through that terrifying few days and weeks waiting for a biopsy to come back and you've been told that you have breast cancer and the treatment options are offered to you. None of them look good. Let's just say you have a very early stage breast cancer, which is the case for most of my patients who are following the rules to have annual mammography. It's caught very early. It's either called ductal carcinoma in situ or DCIS, which is considered to be stage zero cancer. That means it has not moved out of its location at all. It's just sitting quietly and not moving. That's a fantastic diagnosis to get, by the way, because it's completely curable. Or if you have stage one breast cancer, which is also confined to the breast and has not spread anywhere. So I really wanna talk mostly about stage zero and stage one breast cancer because Later stage cancer definitely gets a lot more controversial as far as treatment options. So let's just say you're in that group, and I have so many of you who are in that group. I receive emails from you daily and weekly, and many of you are in my practice. Traditionally, you're going to be told if your cancer is sent to the pathologist, which it will be to check for estrogen receptors, progesterone receptors, and other markers that help to determine what the best treatment would be, 99.9% of the time, you're going to be told you cannot take any hormones. You've probably heard this before. On top of that, in addition to removing the tumor, either with a lumpectomy, just taking out the tumor and the surrounding tissue, or mastectomy, taking away all of the breast tissue on both sides, most patients are going to be offered some type of anti-estrogen medication to take for three years, five years, seven years. There are different protocols even extending up to 10 years for anti-estrogen medications, commonly letrozole or anastrozole are brand names that are drugs that are used for postmenopausal patients. Now, you might ask yourself, well, if my estrogen is zero, which it is when we draw your blood, most frequently after menopause, why would an anti-estrogen medication do anything to prevent me from getting breast cancer again. The point, of course, of using these medications is that studies have shown that taking these medications do reduce the risk of a recurrence of the cancer, and in some studies do show a, reduce, a reduced risk of death from breast cancer. So there are certainly studies out there that show that taking anti-estrogen medications after you've had surgery for your early stage breast cancer will reduce the risk of breast cancer recurrence a little bit. So we have to talk about that. And in some studies, not all, also reduce the risk of dying from breast cancer in the future, which really is the end point we should be looking at, I think. Now, not to say that having a recurrence of breast cancer is anything that we want. I mean, that is extraordinarily difficult to say the least, but Dying from breast cancer really is the end point, isn't it, that we're worried about. And the studies on whether we die from breast cancer more frequently taking these medications or we don't are not consistent. But coming back to the point, 
if we have zero estrogen in our bloodstream, why would an anti-estrogen make any difference to our chance of having a recurrence of breast cancer or death from breast cancer in the future? The reason is that serum estrogen levels don't pick up all of the estrogen in our system. Now, after menopause, we arguably produce no estrogen from our ovaries, or the amount that we produce is so negligible that the lab cannot even pick it up. But we do make some estrogen in our peripheral tissue, like in our body fat, and also in certain cells in our body where other hormones are converted into estrogen. So that's the reasoning behind why anti-estrogen medications are still used, even in patients who have a serum blood level of zero estrogen. Because if you think about it, if your estrogen's zero, why would an estrogen blocker make any difference? Yet, it does seem to make a very small difference. Okay, so if that was all you cared about, and maybe it is, no judgment, if all you cared about was the tiny increase in recurrence of breast cancer and perhaps, not sure, even a small increase in the chance of dying from breast cancer, wouldn't we all take these medications? Well, not necessarily. So I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just simply throwing out some ideas for thought and conversation. Because when we take these medications like letrozole and anastrozole, the majority of patients have significant side effects. Hot flashes, night sweats, worsening of vaginal dryness, bone loss, they're anti-estrogens. So all of the benefits that we know that estrogen can provide, these medicines provide the opposite. Now, if we agree with the fact that these medications actually reduce your risk of having a recurrence of breast cancer, or perhaps even dying from breast cancer, now I will just pop in there that even if you believe that the amount is teeny tiny, is it worth it? if we're suffering from hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, depression, sleep disruption, bone loss, skin changes, I don't know the answer to that question. And I would never tell you the answer to that question either because I would want you to make that decision yourself. I think my job as a physician is to provide you with the information and to let you make the decisions yourself about these really important things. Now, if you go to the oncologist, and I love oncologists, some of my best friends are oncologists, they will tell you, you have to take letrozole. It's not a question, you have to, or anastrozole. You have to have the surgery and then you have to take anastrozole and that is what we're going to do. And it's generally not presented as an option. Also, it's generally not presented in light of all the many side effects that taking that medication might have for you. Now, I'm not faulting doctors for doing that because if I were an oncologist and I were looking through a very small lens where the only thing that I cared about was recurrence of cancer, and data related to cancer numbers and, of course, cancer deaths, that would be the only thing that I would care about. I would not care about the quality of your marriage, of your sex life, whether you can have an orgasm, how your bones are, if your vagina feels like sandpaper, if your bone density is dropping. 
I wouldn't care about any of those things because I am only focused on cancer numbers. And again, I'm not judging anyone or faulting anyone. I'm just throwing out an idea for thought. I can tell you in my practice, I have many patients who have had a diagnosis of breast cancer. Let's just talk about early stage breast cancers, either stage zero or stage one, who have opted not only not to take anti-estrogen medications, but have opted to stay on estrogen because they felt so good and their quality of life was improved so much that I have literally been told many, many times, I don't care if I get a recurrence of breast cancer. I would rather deal with that when it happens because I feel so good right now and I'll cross that bridge if I come to it. And that is a very reasonable line of thought because remember, if you were not to take those medications, and even if you were to choose to take estrogen, by no means would it mean that you would have breast cancer again, not at all. It may just mean that your risk is slightly increased versus making the opposite choice. So one of my pet peeves about science <laughs> is that it doesn't always look at the whole person as a person. So yes, we could pull up lots of randomized controlled trials that show that breast cancer recurrence and in some studies even death from breast cancer is reduced if you take anti-estrogen medications and certainly if you choose not to add hormone replacement back into your life after having had a diagnosis of early stage breast cancer. And we could look at those studies and we could make decisions solely on those studies. But my argument would be that is ignoring that you are actually a human being who has feelings, who wants to sleep at night, who wants to have orgasms and have vaginal moisture, have healthy bones and healthy skin, have a healthy relationship and, a, and an optimistic, happy mood. Would I rather die two years earlier if I could have all of those things? Even if God came down and told me I would get cancer again, perhaps I would take that chance. The point being is you get to decide. It's incredibly important that we're educated about our choices. And then as women, my belief is that we need to make those decisions ourselves and that doctors should not be telling people what to do. That is not our role to tell you what you must do, what you should do. You have to do this. You have to do that. You cannot do this. You cannot do that. I don't think that's my place. My place is to serve you, to educate you to the best of my ability, and then to give you the treatment that you decide is best for you. So for example, I was just talking to a patient today who was recently diagnosed with stage zero breast cancer. She's had her surgery. It's all clear. Lymph nodes were negative. Now she's at 52. She was on hormone replacement prior to the surgery, which as we know, did not cause her cancer. Uh, if you have questions about that, you can refer to some of my earlier videos. And her doctor is telling her she has to be on letrozole, which is an anti-estrogen for five to 10 years and never to take hormone replacement. And she was not given any other options so she reached out to me and asked me what I thought. And I told her pretty much what I'm telling you right now, which is that I think it's up to you. Um, I can tell you if I were 
you in that situation, I would not take the anti-estrogen because of the side effects. I've been a menopausal woman and suffered with hot flashes, night sweats, mood disorders, sleep problems, vaginal dryness. And I remember at the time thinking, you know what? If I have to live the rest of my life like this, I don't necessarily want my life to be too long. My quality of life was so poor. So even if I knew that I would get breast cancer again and I would die several years earlier, I would have continued on my hormone replacement because quality of life is so important in my opinion. Now you might make a different decision. Again, I'm not making any judgments about what we should do, but simply throwing out there for conversation that my opinion is that a doctor's role is not to tell you what to do, but simply to give you the information and allow you because you're a very intelligent person who is completely in control of her own body to make her own decisions. So this particular patient has decided to tell her oncologist that she's not going to take the anti-estrogen medication. That conversation went okay. And then her next decision is whether she's going to go back on estrogen. So she and I are still in the process of thinking through the pros and cons of that decision. So let me tell you about how that conversation went. Well, she has a cancer that's been completely removed that was sensitive to estrogen. Now it's gone as far as we know. Now there are also studies that show that patients who take anti-estrogens do have a lower risk of recurrence. So perhaps there is something in the fact that estrogen might cause her to have a higher risk of another breast cancer, but She's getting mammograms every year. Should that happen, which would be extraordinarily terrible and unfortunate, it would be caught early, just like this one was, treated early, and she would not die. On the other hand, without her hormones, she is suffering mightily. Hot flashes every night. She can't sleep. She cannot have sex with her husband. She's a very thin Caucasian woman, and her bone density is not very good. All of these things are factors that we need to take into account, not to mention that we know about the positive effects for estrogen for reducing Alzheimer's disease, colon cancer, osteoporosis, and a host of other things. So she's thinking about whether to take estrogen and we'll see how that conversation goes. If she comes back to me and she wants to get back on estrogen, I will give it to her. Because my job is not to make decisions for you, but simply to give you the information and to help you have the best quality of life possible. Now, here's another option that we discussed. Many patients in this situation choose to take testosterone only. And I'm going to put a link to the work of Dr. Rebecca Glazer below, who is an incredible breast oncologist who has done almost all of the research out there on testosterone in relationship to breast cancer. So regarding that topic, we know from years of studies back since the 1930s that testosterone in women reduces the risk of breast cancer and it's actually been used in breast cancer treatment protocols. So what if a patient who's had breast cancer decides not to take estrogen, but instead decides to take testosterone. Well, in Dr. Glazer's studies, more than 85% of patients had a resolution of all of those nasty symptoms, hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, bone health, without being exposed to estrogen. So it can 
make the oncologist happy and also make you happy as well. So that's a really valid option. In fact, testosterone pellets do come in a certain uh, measurement that has anastrozole added to it. So in our office, we have an option for patients to receive testosterone pellets with anastrozole, which is an anti-estrogen, in the pellet. And that would be given to a patient who has breast cancer, generally a later stage breast cancer, who really wants to have no estrogen at all makes the oncologist happy, makes the patient happy, everybody's happy. So that's a very valid option. Testosterone with or without anastrozole or letrozole can also be added to pellets. Gets rid of the estrogen, makes the oncologist happy, improves our symptoms, and can really be a win-win for patients who are just not sure what to do. Now, if you're in the small group of patients who decided to receive testosterone with an astrazole and you're still having hot flashes, night sweats, and you're miserable, maybe we leave out the anastrozole. Maybe we even add estrogen back in because the data is unclear. And again, quality of life, in my opinion, surpasses a small improvement in recurrence of breast cancer or even death from breast cancer because quality of life is the most important thing. We talk a lot about longevity, but I really love the idea of health span. Health span rather than lifespan. I want to live a long time, but most importantly, I want to be happy and healthy for a long time. So just to say there's not one way to skin the cat when it comes to conversations around hormone replacement and breast cancer. There's a lot of different ways we can look at it. I'll refer you back to one of my favorite books called Estrogen Matters. I'll put the link below. Estrogen Matters was written by an oncologist and goes through all of the literature about estrogen, particularly in regards to breast cancer. And suffice to say, it's not clear, to say the least. So to, so to say that there's just one answer that is black and white, that every breast cancer patient should never take estrogen and should always take an anti-estrogen, is not the whole picture. There are definitely different ways of looking at it. And in my opinion, if we value quality of life, we need to think about those things as well and not to minimize breast cancer in any way whatsoever, but to allow you to make the decision if that's something that is affecting your life. So we've talked about this before. Now, testosterone alone is an option. If you took testosterone with an astrazole, no estrogens being uh, supplied to your system. So it would be exactly the same as someone who was taking anastrozole without testosterone as far as breast cancer risk, but you would have a lot of the benefits that you get from hormones as far as feeling more sexual energy, vaginal dryness is improved, bone density is improved. There are lots of things that are improved when we take testosterone, even when we leave the estrogen out for breast cancer patients. One of the things that can be the most challenging is vaginal dryness and sexual function. So just reminding you that laser treatments for the vagina are an amazing option for patients who cannot take estrogen or have decided not to take estrogen or patients who are on an anti-estrogen medication that they've decided to take based on their oncologist's recommendations. So vaginal laser as you've probably heard me talk about before, is a great way to help with vaginal moisture and sensation, even if we're taking estrogen, but certainly if we're not. So 
Um, I'll put some links to our information about Juliet Laser below, which is an incredible way to manage vaginal dryness if you are a breast cancer patient or even if you're not. So I am absolutely opposed to the idea that breast cancer patients should be told that they have no options. I'm sorry, you've had breast cancer. You have to be on an anti-estrogen medication. You cannot take hormones. Your sex life's just going to be in the toilet. That's too bad. But hey, at least you don't have cancer. I don't think that's the optimal approach. I think there's a way to balance it, not only to invite your opinion because you are the patient and it's your body, but also to recognize that quality of life is the most important thing, isn't it? I mean, who cares if we live an extra few months if our quality of life is terrible? And so when we're talking about patients who are diagnosed with breast cancer relatively early in our lives, in our 50s and 60s, when we've still got decades to live, taking estrogen away from our systems, I think is something to think about. Let's just put it that way, because we're really dramatically altering a patient's quality of life in a negative way for a very small potential benefit, which may not even be there. So that is my two cents about hormone replacement and breast cancer. And if you are a patient who's been diagnosed with breast cancer and have been told that you cannot take hormones of any sort or that you have to take anti-estrogen medications, I just invite you to consider another alternative that might sound better to you. And if that's something that you do want to consider, feel free to visit me in Houston. We'll put the links to us below. I have many patients who have breast cancer who have chosen to take estrogen or testosterone or both after being appropriately educated. And I can tell you, if I were you, I would probably do the same because I know what it's like to be hormone depleted and it's not good. I feel great right now. And even as I mentioned, I have melanoma. Even if I knew my risk of melanoma was going to go up by going outside and doing triathlons, which I do, I still do those things. I'm not going to stay inside and live in a bubble because I'm scared of melanoma. I'm going to wear my sunscreen. I'm going to wear a sun hat. I'm going to go to the dermatologist and I'm going to enjoy my life. And I don't think it's very different. In fact, arguably, you could say that's even more irresponsible because melanoma is way more deadly than breast cancer. I actually saw a dermatologist about 10 years ago who told me I need to stop running and stop doing triathlons and take up sports that are inside. And you know what I did? I fired that doctor really fast and found a different one. <laughs> And you can do the same thing too, because your opinion matters. That's what I have for today. 